the community podcast where Savannah and Adamsville, Tennessee meets northern Indiana and southwestern lower Michigan. Welcome to Roaring Light. Combining news and weather from news source one Michiana with great independent Christian music from Roaring Light Radio. Get ready. News and weather is next. For the Daily Yonder and Public News Service, this is the news from rural America. An unprecedented number of businesses launched during the pandemic, more than any time in the previous 15 years, according to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And 65% of all new jobs come from smaller ones. Small business is really the engine of economic growth, not just for rural communities, but for anywhere. But John Mazina with the Center for Economic Accountability says rural businesses, more than urban ones, struggle to find workers. There are fewer people, and lack of good internet access doesn't help. There are still plenty of places in rural areas where broadband is a real challenge, if not completely unavailable. And too often, skills don't match the new jobs. Many people have to work two, three, or four jobs, although rural entrepreneurs report a shortage of qualified candidates, according to Mazina. I say that rural folks figured out what we now call like the gig economy long before anyone else did. I mean, anybody who spent any time in rural America knows that that's just sort of the way things work. At the same time, thousands of seasonal and migrant ag workers enter the U.S. each year. While federal immigration reform is in limbo, one labor union says the need to protect guest workers from wage exploitation and poor working conditions continues. The Farm Labor Organizing Committee represents agricultural workers in Ohio, North Carolina, and Virginia. Here's union president Baltimore Velasquez. We want to make sure we partner with other unions who have an interest in this because it's going to help raise the boat for everybody. Velasquez says the union's priority is forming an alliance between small family farmers and workers. So that we can create a sustainable pricing system to maintain those small family farms so that we can preserve our jobs. Some farmers fear the USDA's proposed new safety rules for poultry farmers to prevent salmonella poisoning unfairly burden small producers and risk further monopolizing the industry. The CDC estimates salmonella bacteria cause 420 deaths in the U.S. every year. It's well-intentioned, I think, but the result of this is going to be catastrophic to the small American poultry farmer. Christine Kilfoyle Baffa with Walden Local Meat in Massachusetts says these providers won't have the required testing and control tools available to chicken industry giants. Smaller farms and producers were the backbone of the country's food supply at the start of the COVID pandemic. Charles Ryan Wilson owns Commonwealth Poultry in Maine. He says the new regulatory framework is a slap in the face to family farmers who rose to the occasion. We were able to provide people with food that never would have reached out to us because the supermarkets didn't have chicken on the shelf. Still snowed in? The Farmer's Almanac predicts more to come if you live in the Rockies and possibly as far south as Texas and Oklahoma. For the Daily Yonder and Public News Service, I'm Roz Brown. For more rural stories, visit dailyyonder.com. Fox Weather. Good morning, I'm meteorologist Jason Fraser, and here's the very latest from America's Weather Center. While the historic snowstorm that blanketed western New York may have ended, but there's still a small chance for seeing just a few flurries today. We should see the sun return for most of the northeast as well as the mid-Atlantic, but it's still going to be rather chilly uh, for those of you in those areas. But by tomorrow, we should start to see temperatures rebound. Meanwhile, it's going to be warming up across the central as well as the northern plains and the Midwest starting today and by Wednesday. Wednesday. 
We're expected to see high temperatures that are anywhere from 5 to 15 degrees above where they should be. We'll see some rounds of rain expected for the Sunshine State, mainly for those of you on the east coast of Florida, and that includes also those of you in Miami as well as Orlando. Get the very latest weather updates anytime, anywhere by downloading the Fox Weather app at foxweather.com.
give me tears for the lost Break my heart with your compassion Make me a vessel of your tenderness Give me tears for the lost Give me the heart of a father Turned towards abandoned children For the ones that you lead me to Let the shepherd's heart be mine Like one who brings your peace and reaches out with healing hands To speak for those who have no voice Give me tears for the lost Give me tears for the lost Give me the heart of a father Turned towards abandoned children For the ones that you lead me to Let the shepherd's heart be mine Like one who brings your Reaches out with healing hands To speak for those who have no voice Give me tears for the lost Give me tears for the lost Give me tears Give me tears for the lost Your 
keeping Jesus as your guide. Just follow him, just follow him, stay on the track. Just follow him, just follow him, and don't look back. He died for us, he paid the cost. Just follow him, just follow him, can't get long. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too, by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Oral treatments can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms first appear. If you have symptoms of COVID-19, even if they're mild, don't wait. Get tested quickly. If you test positive and are at high risk for severe disease, act fast. Ask if an oral treatment is right for you. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. For years, Billy Graham hosted a My Answer column in several newspapers. One writer asked him, how can I find freedom from the alcoholism that is ruining my life? This is truth itself. Here was the great evangelist's answer. Alcoholism is one of the greatest scourges of our nation. It destroys the health and well-being of countless individuals and causes untold grief among families and friends. The words of the Bible have been proved time and time again. Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. But you know this through bitter experience, I suspect. And yet your problem is that you seem to be powerless to do anything about it. Does that mean there is no hope? No, there is hope, hope in Christ. The Bible says everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. That is a wonderful truth, and you can know it in your life if you have truly repented and turned to Christ. And Graham included this advice. Don't let your pride get in the way. Seek out someone, such as a pastor you know, who can direct you to groups in your area that can help you. If there are people around you who are constantly trying to get you to drink, you may have to steer clear of them in the future. Avoid places where you know you'll be tempted to drink. It will not be easy, but you need to take specific steps to keep from getting even deeper into the pit of alcoholism. Timothy Kroll from the Helios Projects says we've been called to train 3,000 untrained pastors around the world who have absolutely no Bible or theology training due to the fact they can't afford it. He said so far we have less than 700 who wait for training this year. Pray that we reach this goal. 
At trainapastor.com, $150 trains three pastors. That's trainapastor.com. You can see these stories and more on our website, truthitself.com. Truth Itself, news that impacts your faith, family, and country. The rest of the story. Milton was 24 years young. He was deliriously happy and successful beyond his most extravagant expectations. First of all, he was newly wed to the lovely Bilona, freshly returned from their honeymoon. Second, his career as a lithographer was blossoming rapidly, the latter because of one man, a man Milton much admired but had never met, a man whose own star was ascending in that he had just been elected president of the United States. But when the president-elect had been a presidential candidate, Milton had mass-produced a lithograph portrait of him, taken from a photograph by Alexander Hessler. And that lithograph sold faster than Milton could produce them. Now that popular candidate was indeed the nation's next president, and the demand for his likeness was surging once again. So, newly wed, newly inspired, Milton went back to his shop in Springfield, Illinois, and returned to the task which had recently enriched him reproducing the portrait of the local lawyer who made good Abraham Lincoln. But this is the rest of the story. Sales of the Lincoln lithograph in those weeks following his election remained brisk until one day a former customer strode into Milton's office brandishing a copy of it which he had recently purchased. He said, I've been deceived. That startled the weary press operator in the room adjoining. Milton, alarmed as well, rose quickly from the chair behind his desk. May I help you, was all he could muster. You may return my money, the intruder barked, scowling. And then he thrust the lithograph of Lincoln onto Milton's desk. This is not the man, continued our next president. Well, astonished by this apparently insupportable claim, Milton insisted that Abraham Lincoln was indeed the subject of the photograph in question, to which the unsatisfied customer surprisingly agreed, and yet the subject as pictured here, he said, is most assuredly not the president-elect. Well, Milton was now utterly bewildered. He sank back into his chair. Would the man please explain how that could be? The answer was amazingly simple. Abe Lincoln had grown a beard. In an attempt to conceal his scrawny visage, in an attempt to appeal more leader-like, he had decided to present the nation with a complete change of face. It is that bearded countenance by which our 16th president is recognized, to this day, in fact, but that significant image adjustment was also Milton's downfall as a lithographer. For before long, scores of angry customers were returning their beardless Lincoln portraits, demanding refunds. Sales halted abruptly. Milton suddenly found himself burning thousands of outdated lithographs and on the verge of bankruptcy. Of course, now that clean-shaven Lincoln of Milton's is a valuable collector's item, if you can find one to collect. But then, it forced a desperate young man to seek another source of income for himself and his bride. You never knew the Springfield lithographer who rode the coattails of a smooth-faced Abe Lincoln to an ephemeral success. But you remember what that young printer became when, grasping at straws, he began printing board games instead. Chances are you never laid eyes on one of Milton's lithographs. But you have played the games of that young man who discovered his true destiny by a whisker. For that young man was... Milton Bradley. And now you know the rest of the story. Thank you.
the Public News Service Daily Newscast, December the 30th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. More money is on the way to help New Mexico communities recover from the largest wildfire in the state's history. The 2022 Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fire began on April 6th when the U.S. Forest Service lost control of a prescribed burn. It scorched some 534 square miles of national forest, Pecos wilderness, and private land, taking out 900 structures in its path, including several hundred homes. Senator Martin Heinrich says when Congress passed the appropriations bill this month, nearly $1.5 billion in aid was included to help northern New Mexicans recover from wildfires fires and subsequent flooding. We're just going to keep working to make sure that all of those communities in places like Mora and Guadalupita and Las Vegas and others can rebuild in a meaningful way, can have clean water, can do the things that they need to do to keep those communities strong. Some of the money will go toward repair and replacement of the Las Vegas, New Mexico water treatment facility. The financial boost is in addition to the $2.5 billion in aid from the Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon Fire Assistance Act approved earlier. I'm Roz Brown. The omnibus spending bill also provides necessary congressional authorization for a constitutional amendment New Mexico voters approved last month to tap into the land-grant permanent fund for early childhood education funding. But in states like Minnesota, organizers feel that involving more local voters in outreach helps now and in the future. The recent midterm election saw Minnesota Democrats retain the governor's office and gain full control of the legislature. But it wasn't all because of victories in urban areas. The DFL held or flipped certain seats in places outside the Twin Cities where it wasn't expected. Todd Lippert of the Faith in Minnesota Rural Organizing Project points to volunteers living in townships having political conversations with their neighbors. The conversation centered on asking neighbors what they cared about. And we live in a time where there are very few trusted messengers. He says neighbors in rural areas can talk about issues like education, funding, and child care without identity politics getting in the way. Lippert says organizers hope to scale up this approach in future election cycles. However, Republicans still have strong support among voters outside the Twin Cities. That was shown in the race for governor despite the DFL win. I'm Mike Moen. And from CNBC, U.S. health officials and the WHO have called on China to share more information on the spread of COVID in the country. The U.S. in particular is worried that a new COVID variant could emerge in China. They report the CDC on Wednesday announced new testing requirements for airline passengers whose trips originate in China. This is Public News Service. The new year begins with the prospect of big changes to the Montana State Constitution, drafted by GOP lawmakers and opposed by conservation groups. Jean-Marie Suve with the Montana Conservation Voters and Education Fund says lawmakers are irritated that the state Supreme Court found two laws unconstitutional, which she says allowed for pollution to degrade the Blackfoot River and Paradise Valley. In both cases, the environmental damage could have been irreversible, and the remedies too late to make a difference, threatening both those landscapes. While close to 50 bill requests have been made before the legislature gavels in next week, typically only about a third of them become bills that can be debated by lawmakers. As rising temperatures and declining rainfall make traditional turf grass lawns harder and harder to maintain, 
prairie lawns, which use plants native to Nebraska and the Great Plains, are gaining in popularity. Benjamin Vogt with Monarch Gardens says prairie lawns, which can thrive without huge amounts of water and fertilizer, are far more sustainable and less harmful to the environment than traditional lawns. He says their other great advantage is their positive impact on wildlife. Wildlife that literally sustain our lives, like pollinators. Pollinators provide around roughly one-third of the food we eat. They're essential to, to pollinating crops and, of course, wildflowers and producing seeds and berries and all those good things that we eat. Giving them the plants they need, native plants that are part of the local ecoregion, is critical. Jeff Carney with Campbell's Nurseries in Lincoln agrees, calling the vast majority of traditional lawns a colossal waste of resources with water so scarce in Nebraska. Every year, lawns across the country require roughly 3 trillion gallons of water, 200 million gallons of gas, and 70 million pounds of pesticides to maintain. I'm Deborah Van Fleet. Finally, our Edwin J. Vieira tells us the Environmental Protection Agency is investing $14.3 million in green jobs training for the state of New York. A large portion of this money comes from the EPA for Brownfields job training. $2 million comes from the bipartisan infrastructure law. The hope is to ensure a strong environmental benefit while providing more economic opportunities to underserved areas. Lisa Garcia with the EPA says people can learn job skills while participating. The job training program allows a variety of certification where they learn valuable and really high-level skill sets, which include lead and asbestos abatement, hazardous waste operations and emergency response, mold remediation, like I said, environmental sampling and analysis. This is Mike Clifford, and thank you for wrapping up your week with Public News Service. Remember, unless you support it, you can hear us on great radio stations, your favorite podcast platform, and find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, looking in more depth today at the decision by the United States and other countries to impose COVID-19 test requirements on travellers from China, where the virus is taking root all over the country following Beijing's effective abandonment of its zero-COVID policies. With China releasing very limited data relating to the number of infections and deaths across the country, there are concerns that if COVID-19 runs wild there, it could lead to fresh variants that then travel rapidly around the world. Dr Danny Altman is a professor of immunology at Imperial College in London. Everybody is all about trying to kind of strike some kind of balance between you know, hypervigilance and scaremongering and not being able to carry on with your everyday life. The, the virus is the virus and we know its mutation rate now very well. And so if you've got um, you know, a, a country of over a billion people rather poorly vaccinated and many trillions of copies in many millions of lungs, there will be an awful lot of new variants circulating. And that's the, the risk you've got to factor into your calculation. And to me, that would, you know, that would um, tend towards caution. In the last week, the first batch of Western vaccines has been shipped to China from Germany, where they will be administered to German expatriates. But the authorities in Berlin are pressing Beijing to adopt widespread use of the mRNA jabs in a bid to lessen the impact of COVID on China's national population. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. I'm losing it, or in my mind. There's blood in the water, bringing sharks to the slaughter, and I'm running out of time. I'm sweating it, all I 
friendly church to attend. Come to Elkhart Bethel UMC at Michigan and Simonton Streets. Sunday hymns worship is at 9 a.m. followed by Cookie Fellowship and Sunday School. East End United Methodist Church, located at 285 Fairground Street in Savannah, Tennessee is an active church with community outreach and evangelism being a high priority. Worship at the church happens at 10.30 a.m. Pastor Ed Brennan can be reached at 727-698-3637. East End United Methodist Church. Like them on Facebook. Should old acquaintance be forgot? And never brought to mind Should old acquaintance be forgot And old lang syne For old lang syne, my dear For old lang syne We'll take a cup of kindness. 